Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. Uh, this is episode 15. So yeah, 5 times 3. <laughs> I've been doing this for 15 days now. It's amazing. It's astounding. Um, you know, and just really blows me away that I would actually keep up with this. You know, not that I have problems with doing things. I just honestly, like I've said before, I just didn't know I was going to have that drive and desire and passion to do it. You know, I just wanted to do it, wanted to try it and see what it was all about. Yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. 15 days of history, to be exact. Um, So thank you for listening, those who listen. Thank you for subscribing, those who subscribe. I really appreciate it. And uh, I couldn't do it without you guys listening. Because if nobody at all was listening to this, I would have stopped. So, thank you. Um, So, subject for today. Creativity. Um, That's what's on my mind today. And, you know, a lot of people have this misperception about creativity. You know, they think like, you know, Mozart was, you know, just birthed. And as soon as he was tall enough to reach the the keys on the piano he was just this virtuoso but he wasn't he really wasn't and there's a lot of misconception and myth around him that was perpetuated by a person who was a huge fan of his work and wrote these stories about him that were flat out lies um and so he uh you know has this mythos about him but what really happened was when he was very young like most musical prodigies um, he was you know studying days and days and days you know every single day for a couple hours a day he was being tutored by some of the best musicians that the world had to offer at that time his family was very well off his grandfather was very rich he lived in the Fugurai which I probably mispronounced that, but that's basically where all the bankers lived uh, in Germany, in Augsburg. Um, And so, you know, the family was very well off, so they could afford everything, and they wanted Mozart, little baby Mozart, to be a famous composer. So they, you know, submitted him to a rigorous task of training every day. And when he was... I want to say either 14, when he was 14 is when he actually composed his first concerto. He never uh, did it blindfolded. He didn't compose anything at the age of four. He didn't, um, you know, just have this music come to him completed and then he would just write it down without the help of any special, uh, you know, instruments or anything. He had to work hard for it. And that's the biggest myth about creativity and talent that people think, oh, you know, well, you're just born with it, you know, and actually somebody I was talking to, uh, on a Skype call said this and it really resonated with me because I'd never really thought of it that way. Um, he said that, you know, when people compliment him, like, oh, you're so talented, you're just so amazing at this. He, he said he felt, he always feels insulted when people tell him that because they just think, oh, it's just natural. You're just really good at this. Um, so, of course, you know, you must have been born with this skill. And he's like, no, I wasn't born with it. 
had to work hard. I spent years and years and years, you know, developing my craft to get this good. You know, I didn't just wake up one morning and I was just this virtuoso, you know, artist. You know, I had to work at it. And I told him, I said, you know, it's kind of the same thing with me. I've just never looked at it that way. I mean, I play, though I haven't played in a long time and I need to get back into practice and get all my, you know, fingers limbered up again. I play nine musical instruments. I didn't just magically wake up one day and, you know, start playing nine musical instruments. I had to work very, very hard to get there. I didn't have any creative genius. I didn't have any talent. I worked and I practiced and I bled, literally. I mean, when I was practicing guitar, I would play so long that my fingertips, until my calluses got built up, I would literally, my fingers would start bleeding. And, you know, so, matter of fact, at some points I started, you know, putting bandages on them and playing, you know, with those on just to prevent that from happening. Uh, sometimes when I just was needed the practice, but I knew I couldn't take the pain that day, you know, and that's, you know, that's basically what it is. It's not like you just magically wake up and you're like, Ooh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be in a band or I'm going to be this wonderful artist like Pablo Picasso, you know, um, or I'm going to be uh, like Leonardo da Vinci and be this great inventor and artist and you know he's so well known for the Mona Lisa and that's another myth you know that this Mona Lisa was such a incredible work of da Vinci that's not true at all as a matter of fact at the time when da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa it was considered to be kind of just an average okay but not great painting as a matter of fact most people thought Leonardo da Vinci was a terrible artist or just a subpar artist And what really made Da Vinci, though he was a genius inventor, and I'm not taking anything uh, away from what he did, um, you know, because I am a huge fan of all of his work, um, art, invention, innovation, you know, he was an, an incredible person. But what I'm doing is saying the record straight and telling the truth. And, uh, basically da Vinci didn't become what's known as a popular, you know, creative painter, um, until the 1900s. Uh, the Mona Lisa was in a area of the Louvre and it, you know, they didn't really have great security back then because security cameras hadn't been invented, but security guards were, um, just as, um, you know, attentive at night as they are now, so not much has really changed. Um, But uh, the painting was actually stolen in, I believe, 1909. It was stolen. And uh, it took a day for them to even notice that it was missing. That's how unimportant the painting was, that no one actually noticed it was gone for almost an entire day. So... You know, basically, the local French newspapers got wind of it and started reporting about it, and news started to spread throughout, you know, the world that this painting, this Mona Lisa painting, had been stolen. And 
basically everybody was talking about it. It basically went viral. It was like, oh, you know, where's the Mona Lisa? You know, I mean, if this were happening today, it'd be all over YouTube right now. It'd be like, uh, what was that thing with the words, you know, like Bobby and Frankie or whatever, you know, that was going on and the, the black dress and the gold dress and all that nonsense. Um, it'd be something like that today. And... So everyone was super intrigued about what was going on and if they were going to find it and who took it and where it was and, and why hadn't it been found yet. And basically that hype built up to almost a fever pitch. So by the time the Mona Lisa was actually returned to the Louvre, uh, two years later, uh, about two years later, um, it was it had become one of the most popular and prominent works in history at that point because of that hype that um, the the experts call it an, the exposure effect. So basically, people had been exposed to it so much, and that desire to know that mystery, that mythos they had built up around this mysterious stolen painting, um, this work of Da Vinci, that it became, you know. Hit known as quite possibly one of his greatest works. But before that time, from the 1600s to, you know, to today, or to that, that point in the early 1900s, no one really cared. They're like, meh, I've seen better. You know, my three-year-old paints better than that. You know? And, you know, that's the way it was. So there's this whole mythos that you have to be some spectacular, super uh, troubled, um, you know, prodigy that has God-given gifts or however you want to put it, but that's just quite frankly not true. Everybody has things that they're good at, that, you know, that they just, they gravitate to, that they find easier to learn than others. Like, I'm really good with working with, with statistical math. It's not a really super useful skill in my job, but sometimes I just like to de-stress and just run some stats just for fun. It's not something I think I'd ever want to do as a career, per se, but it's something that kind of relaxes me and helps me just de-stress, as crazy as that probably sounds to most people. So, you know, with that being said, you know, everybody has that those things that they're they're good at or that they they learn faster than others because of the way their brain's wired, the way their personality's wired, the nurture they receive as a child from their parents, the things that their parents kind of get them interested in at a young age. Um, Just like, you know, people say that it's easier to learn a a foreign language if you're young, if you're a child, um, because the brain's elasticity and ability to learn is at such a heightened rate because it's still forming so that it's easier to make those bonds um, at a younger age. So, but that doesn't necessarily cross you off the list of being able to do something. Um, you can do whatever you, mo- what, whatever you want. You know, like I said, I was not some musical virtuoso. But through hard work and determination, I learned to play nine musical instruments. And now, am I Mozart? No. Could I have been if I could have stuck with it? Absolutely. Uh, Could I have been if my parents were super rich and paid for the best 
musical teachers in all of the world to teach me and tutor me. And the only thing in my life I had to focus on was playing music. And I didn't really have to do anything else. Of course I would be Mozart. Are you kidding? Anybody given that level of training without any other um, distraction in their life would certainly become a musical genius. It's inevitable. <laughs> Either that or they would become a raging alcoholic and, and you know, get on drugs. You know, one or the other would happen. <laughs> You know, uh, either the stress would get to them or they would become a genius in music. So that's the thing you've got to look at is is, it's not about being gifted. It's about being determined. And, of course, if you were given everything on a silver platter, you would excel at it. That's just the way things work. You know, if you were super rich... You would excel at buying things like, oh, you know, well, I've got $85 million, so I'm going to go buy a Ferrari today. Why? Because, well, you have the money there. You don't have to think about it. It's part of your day-to-day life. So, you know, that's really my message is, is, you know, creativity is really misunderstood. It's really um, almost hero worship in a way. You know, people look at, oh, you know, look at look at this basketball player. Look at this football player. They're so incredible. Or look at this soccer player. You know, they've got such great talent. Well, yeah, they've got such great talent because they have a love and a passion for what they do. They work hard at it. They train vigorously. They, you know, all they focus on is their craft. So, of course, they're going to be good at it. You know, so... You don't have... Anybody can do this. Um, I remember it was not too long ago I read uh, something about one of the players in the World Cup. And I'm not a huge soccer uh, fan, so uh, please, uh, I apologize um, because I don't know the names or anything. I just read the story. Um, There was a story about a guy who played in the most recent World Cup. And they said, you know, he's a huge soccer fan, been playing since he was a kid. Uh, in the streets from where he lived in, uh, I think it was Brazil. Um, and the previous World Cup that was held in Brazil, uh, he was actually part of the people who was volunteering and helping at the World Cup, cleaning up, things like that. Um, and now he's actually was playing in the World Cup. So he had hard work, he had determination, he had passion for, for uh, the craft of being a, a world-class soccer player and became so good through those three things that he went from one World Cup cleaning up around the stadium and I or I think he was painting the sidewalks too. I think that was the main thing he was doing was painting sidewalks, uh, the, the colors for the national team. So he's painting the sidewalks and then next thing you know, he's playing in the World Cup because he was good enough to finally you know get accepted and old enough, I believe, because I, I think from the original picture, looks like he was pretty young when he was doing the painting the sidewalks. But see, that's just it. You know, was he born a soccer player? No. He worked hard. He played soccer all the time. He loved the sport. He absolutely adored soccer, and he perfected his craft. He worked hard. He played every chance he could get. He hung around soccer matches. He watched soccer. He lived, he breathed, 
soccer. And therefore, he manifested becoming a soccer player in his life. You know, and that's, that is what creativity and, you know, and, you know, that's what that'll, that'll get you it is, it's all about what you put into it. It's all about the hard work you invest in what you love. You know, what I love and what I've always tra- gravitated to, even though I've never really considered myself that good at, was music. I've also started, you know, writing because I really enjoy writing and I feel like I've got so many stories inside me that I can tell that I just finally had to, um, you know, start writing them down. I just really needed to start writing them down and and get pen to paper and just do it. And so, you know, that was my goal. That was my plan. And that's what I'm doing. I'm working on my craft. I'm training every day. I'm posting. I'm blogging. I'm sharing stories and, you know, just trying to become good as a writer. And that is really, at the end of the day, um, you know, how you become seen as someone creative is how you, how you become seen as someone who has skill and proficiency in a certain field is by doing it by doing it and every day working harder to be better at it to in my case right now to write better to write more coherently um, to write different types of things like poetry to write articles to write um, stories um, and always to be grateful for any feedback that I get and just take that and say okay Here's what I did right. Here's what I need to work on. Okay, tomorrow's another day. And just keep on trucking. And as I go, I find that I'm more and more impressed with the progress I'm making. And I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm egotistical about it, because I'm really not. But at the same time, I wrote something actually yesterday and posted it on somebody's uh, uh, comment on somebody's post and it just really blew me away and I was like wow you know that's that's really good I'm getting I'm getting pretty decent at this I I think that I think that's really cool you know and it it just kind of like shocked me almost because I was like okay yeah I read this and this actually looks like some like I didn't write it (laughs) I think that's what it was for me is it looked like I didn't write it like wow this looks like it was written by someone else because it's actually pretty good you know and uh so yeah, and so that is my message. That is my my thought for today is being creative, being inventive, being a person who is proficient at anything, no matter what it is. You don't have to have this magical, you know, handed down by Merlin, you know, you know, abracadabra nonsense or anything like that. You can be good at anything if you're determined enough to do it. I mean, I've seen people who were musicians that played musical instruments that played with their feet because they were amputees and they didn't have any arms, but they really wanted to be a musician and they made that happen, you know? 
you know, look at the uh, look at the Special Olympics. All of these people that are uh, have different disabilities that are determined because they want to do something because they realize that they have this drive in them that they just can't no matter how much somebody tries to pour water on that fire and tell them that they can't do it they go out there and do it anyway and that is just amazing to me that really just blows my mind um you know the level of determination that these people have and i have so much respect for for them because of that you know, no matter what anybody told them, they decided they were going to go out and chase their dreams and they were going to go out and do it and nobody was going to stop them. And that is something truly amazing. So that is my message to you. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something or you're not talented enough to do something. Prove them wrong. Do it in spite of them. And when when you get up there and you do whatever it is you're going to do, whatever it is your dream is, whatever it is you want to do, and you get up there and they see you and they're like, yeah, man, that was really cool. Good job. You know, and then you can sit there and think, yeah, you're the, you, you are the guy that said I couldn't do it. You are the girl that said I couldn't do it, you know? And so, haha, I did it. You know, I've always been challenged by people when they told me I couldn't do anything. And or couldn't do something that made me want to do it even more. In you know, in spite of what they said, I wanted to get up there and show them that I could not do it. I mean, heck, I installed Windows Vista beta on a machine that was way below the system requirements, and sent screenshots of it to Microsoft during the beta test process, and they reached out to me wondering how I managed to figure out how to put it on that computer, and. You know, because I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm curious. I'm bored. I've got nothing else to do. I've got this old piece of junk computer. I'm going to see if I can do this, if I can make this work. And I did it, you know? So that's my message. Go out there and do it. Whatever it is you want to do, even if you just want to do it for yourself, even if you just say, you know what? I've always wanted to learn to play guitar. You know, not to become famous, not to become a rock star. I just want to learn to play guitar. Go out there, buy a guitar. You don't have to buy an expensive guitar. There are tons of really greatly made um, guitars out there that are really affordable. I'm not saying you don't buy a Gibson. Well, of course, they're going out of business anyway. But, um, you know, there's like a good Japanese or Chinese Fender, um, for instance. Fender guitars in China are actually made by a company called Dylan. And they used to make knockoff Fender guitars along with knockoffs of other companies' uh, instruments. Um, Fender sued them, or attempted to sue them several times for copyright infringement, and they failed to do so. Um, and eventually they realized that the guitars, the knockoff guitars that Dylan was making, were actually better than the real Fenders that Fender was making in China. So now... And this may have changed because this information is a few years old. But uh, the Fender guitars that are made in China are actually made by Dylan, the company that was knocking off their guitars uh, because they were actually better quality. So you don't have to buy a $5,000 guitar to learn to play guitar. Buy a $200 guitar. 
you know, play it. And you know what? If for some reason you ever decide, you know what, guitar just isn't right for me, you don't have to feel guilty about buying a $3,000 guitar. You know, okay, I'll hang it on the shelf. It looks pretty. You know, I'll get a hook, I'll hang it up, and there you go. So, with that being said, I hope you guys all have a fantastic Monday. I really appreciate you listening, subscribing, and, uh, and you know, just really any reviews or ratings that you've left. Thank you so much, and I hope you have, again, a great Monday. Car Thoughts out. Hey, everybody. David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just wanted to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path, and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast, you might be thinking, well, David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works? What doesn't work, right? Well, I wrote a book. Because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them. And that's all well and good, but sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So, I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons Learned, Lessons Shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents, less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can you know, keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So by all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you guys. And I could not do any of this without your support. So when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.